Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a Cersei podcast for homeschooling moms by homeschooling moms. I'm Renee Mathis, here along with my co-host, Karen Kern. Hey, Karen. Hi, Renee. It's good to see y'all. And today we have a very special guest and a friend of mine, Andrea Lipinski. And I first came to know Andrea through the Cersei Apprenticeship Program. Um, We were both in it at different times. And um, now uh, Andrea is the director of the Cersei Apprenticeship. And in a larger context, she's now working full time for Cersei as the Vice President for Training and Consulting which means that she wears a lot of hats and is very busy. But in her heart, I know Andrea really cares a lot about homeschooling moms because she was one. And in a lot of cases still is one, even though her two sons have graduated. Um, Her oldest is about to graduate from the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. And her younger son is um, a freshman in college. But She's just finished telling me that they still read books together and discuss ideas together. So, you know, once a homeschooling mom, always a homeschooling mom. So, Andrea, it's good to have you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for inviting me, Renee. I'm thrilled to be with you and Karen today. Welcome. Thanks. So today's topic is uh, the first of four coming up. We're going to do four uh, topics in a row, uh, and we call them the four elements of classical education. So today we have Andrea on with us to talk about uh, the first element, which is the high view of man. And the other three, which we will do um, in the coming episodes, will be that of um, classical education being logocentric and um promoting Western tradition. And then we'll talk fourthly about classical education's pedagogy, uh, the three columns and mimetic um, and Socratic education. So welcome, Andrea. And um, today we're going to kick off with the idea that classical education um, requires and leads us to a high view of man. So 
let's start with what that means. Or maybe if, if that's a high view of man, what might a low view of man be? Is that a good place to start? Hmm. Sure. So I'll put you in context with where I am right now, though. So the physical place from which I'm answering this question is I'm attending the Latin apprenticeship retreat where Buck Holler is my mentor. And we had a talk two days ago by him. So he's preparing for his Latin intensive that he's going to lead about how to teach Latin to teachers. Um, So teachers can know how to teach it in their own classrooms. Um, And at home, that's really a passion for him is how does the homeschooling mom teach Latin? And so one of the things we talked about was that, um, which I know you're going to talk about this later, but logocentrism. So the the logos, the truth being what we're trying to perceive um, and the, the ultimate logos, the beginning of all that is Christ, right? So if Christ is the logos uh, for him, by him and through him, all things were made. So knowing that, right, that this world that I live in, that everything that I see around me was made by him, for him and through him, including me and my neighbors and my family members and my children. Um, So to understand that and that we were made in his image. So in that way, Christ is, if all things were made by him, he's generative, um, then so are we. We are also generative. So to understand that about ourselves. But one of the things that Buck said that caught my attention this time that I hadn't thought of it before with this idea of a high view of man or humanitas mm-hmm. is that in order to understand uh, what it means to become like Christ, because that's who I, who I was created to become like, right? I'm made in his image. Um, I need to also be able to acknowledge what I see around me. And so what I see around me isn't the perfect. It is a broken world that I live in. And so to see that rightly helps me to more so appreciate Christ and his perfection um, and to help me to strive for who I am to be in him. So what do you mean when you say um, the world you we see around us? Are you talking about the natural world? Are you talking about suffering? Uh, the, oh. the world around us in terms of um, relationships. I don't remember who it is that said this, but somebody said that of all of the things that God created, humans are the only ones not living according to their nature. Like the animals, the rocks, the trees are living according to their nature. Um, and they reproduce after their own kind. So when the oak tree um, grows to be a tree, it drops a acorn that has to fall to the ground and die to reproduce another tree. And so it's generative, but it's not fully generative until it too drops another acorn and dies. And so in that uh, cycle, uh, the natural world is living according to its nature. It's the humans in this world that aren't always living according to our nature. Um, you know, to, to, to have a righteous anger, to, you know, to be angry um, towards sin is appropriate. To be angry uh, that something of my belly hasn't been met is not appropriate. Um, and so in those ways, that, that's what I mean by living to, according to how we're supposed to be um, is more capable. I'm more capable of that when I can acknowledge that the, the way I see people behaving around me isn't right. This isn't the good. The good is to come. 
there is something to strive toward. And so the ideal type in our stories and our myths lets me see that so I can aim for that rather than be look at what's around me and find it sufficient. Does that make sense? That's because, you know, Christ has created us to, um, we're not going to be complete. We're not going to truly understand what it means to flourish until we are united with him, until we're saved, right? Until salvation is a part of our lives. So the way I see what or understand what you're saying is, um, yes, there is such a thing as common grace and, and yes, man in this world can can do what appears to be good things can learn can can survive and so forth but we're not going to know truly the fulfillment and the beauty and the perfection of that unless we have been given new hearts unless we've been regenerated and to me a high view of man says that because of what Christ did he enables us to to live that kind of life. He enables us. We don't have to make ourselves into mm. this perfect person because we can't. Um, mm -hmm. What we need to do is learn how to conform to the world where he put us. And until we are united with him, we won't be happy in this world. We'll always be not at peace, always trying to, to strive or to, to remake a broken world in a broken way. Are we on the same page? I think so. I think what I find with the uh, many of my friends, largely homeschool mothers, uh, friends, is that um, we are capable of not striving for more, not knowing, like, we have the mind of Christ. And so with the mind of Christ, I can perceive truth. Um, with the being made in his image, I can... Um, I can recreate beautiful things. I can generate as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can I can be sorrowful over the broken around me, but I can also hope for what is to come. I, I think that there needs to be both. I just found a, I found in in the beginning when I was launching uh, with my homeschool, I found many people who their highest goal for their children was that they weren't going to get pregnant in high school. Mm. Well, right. And I don't see that as a high view of man. Um, I think there's, there's a lacking there in knowing what we're capable of and, and present, like help our children to see, yes, this world is broken, but this is not all. And we weren't created for just this. We were created for eternity. Um, we, we have a soul that will last forever. Don't and so, glean from this world. And so um, taking this back to what I, my initial question to you is what does a low view of man look like? Mm -hmm. um, it would be the opposite of all those things. It, it, it would be that to have a low view of man is to deny the existence of a soul or mm -hmm. that our children are eternal beings right. or that they're capable of so much more than um, just uh regurgitating back a textbook you know and that our role is more than being a textbook facilitator not to say that your child shouldn't be reading and understanding and comprehending what is put in front of them well mm -hmm. with their minds but that also there is something so much deeper 
and richer um, that we are feeding them and nurturing them with and for. Yeah, it's like C.S. Lewis said, right, you've never met a mere mortal. Right. Everyone we meet has a soul and that soul will, will go on for eternity. So how do we treat that person realizing realizing that? And I think if all we see our children uh, is a being that we we can program Right, mm-hmm. using little behavioristic techniques, little rewards and punishments, you know, demeaning them, giving them, you know, feeding them educational food that is just junk food or twaddle and, and Charlotte Mason's work, right? Um, mm-hmm. if we have a high view of man, we will we will feed them well on the true, the good, and the beautiful, not just what is currently accessible and will go down easy, right? So I share with you some words from George MacDonald. Sure. Yeah. This is my favorite story by him. Um, it's the princess and the goblin. And in my book, which I pretty sure the copyright best is either 1904 or 1908. The first page says this um, again, it's the princess and the goblin. There was once a little princess who, but Mr. Author, why do you always write about princesses? Because every little girl is a princess. Well, you will make them vain if you tell them that. Well, not if they understand what I mean. Well, then what do you mean? Well, what do you mean by a princess? Asked the author. Well, the daughter of a king. Very well, then, says MacDonald. Then every little girl is a princess, and there would be no need to say anything about it, except that she is always in danger of forgetting her rank and behaving as if she has grown out of the mud. I have seen little princesses behave like the children of thieves and lying beggars, and that is why they need to be told they are princesses. He writes his story to remind them of who they are and who they are becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the opposite of the idea that, oh, if you can just get through high school without getting pregnant, you right. know, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's so much to say about that, mm-hmm. you know, that, no, you can aspire to be a princess mm-hmm. and a princess you know, you are. Whose, whose, whose affections, whose heart is rightly ordered is not going to be doing that. Right. Anyway, right. yeah. So when my kids yeah. were little and I was dropping them off at things, so they weren't too little anymore, um, I would ask them two questions. Who are you? To which they would respond, a child of the most high king. And to whom do you belong? Jesus, for he paid a high price. Mm. And then once they hit college, I realized I needed to ask one more question. And where are you going? Because when college came into our world, um, even though we, I didn't focus here, it still came into my home, right? Because I still live within this eon. Um, they were headed for what degree is going to get me, what job is going to get me, what money is going to get me, get me, get me, get, right? So I wanted to ask them, where, where are you going? Um, so that it wouldn't be a focus on the, the land, where they were headed on land on earth, but where they were headed for eternity. So um, keep, to keep that before them of who who they are and who they are becoming. And so that would be the thing you know, I would remind them of, you know, pay attention to who you are becoming on the way to where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would ask moms, you know, what is the difference between having a child who does good and having a child who wants to do good? Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree we want, we want the latter. Right, because children can be taught to obey or they can learn in their own little way to obey on the outside or to look like they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that. 
right? Mm-hmm. We don't want just outward compliance. We want that inward change of heart that says, no, I want to do the right thing. And you mentioned the the term ordering their affections or ordering their loves. We want them to love what is worth loving so that they will want to do good. They will want to be good. Yeah. And we're always um, tempted to order ourselves to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we need story, um, myth, to to remind us of the the things beyond. And so like a fairy tale, right, has to be a combination of um, the real, that what I can, uh, what I already experienced with my senses and the otherworldliness to help me think of outside of this. There's more than just this. Um, and so I, I'm, there's, there's capable of transcendence then. Mm-hmm. And if they can get that, they can get that we worship a transcendent God who is also outside of ourselves. And mm-hmm. therefore, because of that, has the right to tell us how to obey him and mm-hmm. what is right and wrong. It's not something we make up. We are not our own creators. We don't create our own story. We don't create our own essence, right? We we, we are created we by him. Created. And the more we <laughs> learn to conform to that, and I mean conform in a beautiful way, he's given us this world and said, do you want to be happy? Live in the world where you were created to live. Um, go off on your own at your own peril. Mm-hmm. That's one of the ways that, that, you know, this idea differs from that of what, the world is telling them. The world tells them you can be whatever you want. You can even be a boy if you're a girl. And there are ways to, you know, there are ways that the world can make you be. Fix it. Want to be. And call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Um, but that's to the detriment of the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The well-being, the physical and mental well-being in every way. We had my um, my own my apprenticeship retreat was last week, and we were having a discussion with on the idea of nature, purpose, and propriety. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that came up is we said, you know, if you look at let's say the nature of a little girl or a female, right? What is her nature, and what is the purpose? Why did God make you, and why did God make you a girl, and all of that? then that will determine how you treat a little girl or how mm-hmm. you how you act as a woman. What is proper as a, in the sense that as a, as a woman, how do we act, right? What glorifies God because he's the one who gave us our nature to begin with. If you don't understand the nature of what a, a girl or a boy is, you won't know how to treat them. Mm-hmm. And that applies in all kinds of areas. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. I like uh, Andrew. Uh, he likens it to this, right? So if we are um, beings who will rule our own kingdom someday, right, where we will be the kings and queens of our own families. Um, well, what prepares us to rule our kingdom? Well, we have to have dominion over things. Well, we don't. We shouldn't start with dominion over another or over that kingdom as our starting place, right? So we back that up, and we are trained by having dominion over our toys. Can we put them away? Can we make our beds? Can we tidy up our room? Can we help with the dishes? You know, being a part of this family, uh, and then we might have some dominion over a living thing. I'm responsible for a plant or some part of the garden or a tree that I've put in the yard. 
Um, and then I might get dominion over another living thing that's a little bit more um, sensitive, like a pet. <laughs> right? And so that one needs a little more care than the plant. And there's a lot more at stake, really. Right. Um, and so I have uh, that kind of care. Um, all the while, I'm developing this sense of dominion within relationships of how I treat my siblings and how I treat my parents and my neighbors and my grandparents, uh, my uh, fellow, what do you call them? Your friends at church, right? All of those different relationships, how you behave within those is developing simultaneously. Um, and so I think that is part of the preparation for ruling um, what is to come, to be who we are meant to be, who I am becoming. And, and to have a, an appropriate vision of who I am. So, mm-hmm. yes, you know, as a little girl, I am a princess. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I am indulged because no. I'm also I'm also a servant in some capacity. You know, I'm also somebody's sister and somebody's daughter. And you, yeah. you know, it's finding it's finding an understanding and acting within the appropriate relationships that you're put in. And learning. So have, you read, have you read George McDonald's other short story, um, The Wise Woman? Long, long time ago. No. Okay, I just started it. I received it as a Christmas present. I brought it here, so I've just started it. But he starts off with two princesses, or one princess and one little girl born to a poor family in town. Mm-hmm. But both of them are told from a young age that they will, they are somebody. Right? Mm-hmm. So from a very young age, they're told they're worthy, but they're treated differently within those relationships. And so the one who was born into a wealthy princess family is given everything and she is rotten. And so the king and the queen seek out a wise woman to get help for what to do with her because she's a mess now. Um, and that's as far as I've gotten in the story. But the wise woman tells them, it's your fault. She tells very the king familiar to what uh-huh. so many families are dealing with now. It makes me yeah. want to read that again. I have to find it. Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm right now at the spot last night where... Uh, the wise woman tells them it's your fault, mom and dad, mm. for overindulging her. Mm. But she's a princess. Yeah, but that's not what that means. Okay, we're all adding that book to our book list now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love George McDonald. Obviously, obviously. I need I need more George McDonald in my life, apparently. <sighs> and fairy tales. Um, that's, you know, I'm currently reading uh, fairy tales with my neighbors, my the lady across the street, the neighbors next door. I've just invited my neighbors in and we read a fairy tale a month. I make fresh oh, bread. They bring a bottle of wine. Um, and so we're trying to understand who we are in the world that we're in. Right. So the things that we can see, what our sensory systems can understand while glimpsing of the transcendent at the same time in these stories. Mm-hmm. let's go back to the idea of the ideal type mm-hmm. so um obviously christ is our ideal type but it seems um within stories that that's in movies actually it's a really good mm-hmm. way to judge um a movie or a book okay how what's the question i would ask and help me judge it um what does this what kind of person does this ideal type make me desire to be and what yeah what kind of person does this movie make me desire? do i see this person having fallen into that could be um a warning to me which is the you know in some ways the opposite of that 
Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that that the temptation in our current culture of story writing is to have kind of kind of turn it on its head and to have the anti-hero. Um, mm-hmm. But if we can give children an ideal type at young ages of this is this is who you can be, even this person who is a child um, striving to do the right thing or like Pinocchio, right? Pinocchio is always, always messing up. Oh, he he sells his book to, you know, he's supposed to go to school, he sells his books, we can go to puppet show, he does all the bad things. And when I taught that in third grade, I would literally see the boys in my class, like, gasping when he did, you know, the next bad thing. But, but, you know, by the end, he does the right thing, and the relief is there, and he becomes a real boy. Mm -hmm. And I think that idea of the, the realness, the, you know, the, um, it's not magic, but it's um, the idea of change and transformation mm-hmm. that isn't that can be inspiring mm-hmm. to children yeah. or to adults or to adults. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think adults, the you know, we still need it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I liked about homeschooling was that I was able to read and think on things that I didn't get to do in my education, in my growing up. Um, and so I remember one time telling my husband, I shouldn't do this anymore. I, I, shouldn't, I don't think I should homeschool anymore. And he says, why? I said, because I'm having too much fun. So if, I, if I'm having too much fun, this can't be right. Um, like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's it. I don't think this is how this works. Um, but there's, there's such joy and fun in um, perceiving truth, right? It's a delight Mm-hmm. when we perceive truth and it's its own reward to learn. Um, and that goes back to, we need to see our children that way. We don't want to buy into the, the culture's lie, which says they hate learning. They hate school. You've mm-hmm. got to put on a dog and pony show or have lots of M&Ms to reward them with, or they're mm-hmm. not going to have fun. And then your homeschool will be miserable. Contrast that with, God created this little person to experience delight, to love learning. He gave mm-hmm. us a rational mind and we just need to get out of the way <laughs> and, and teach them in ways that are according to their nature so that that learning happens and that joy is there. And it is, like you said, it's its own reward. Right. And, and they are like, they are to be delighted in. So when kids are little, the really little ones, boy, girl, um, and they see something new, they look to mom and dad's face to tell them whether that new thing is friend or foe. If mom or dad is scared, then they should be scared. If mom or dad is fine, then they can be fine. Right. And so that's how they figure out the world. What's what's good and bad, what's right and wrong when they're really little. Um, And so the same thing goes for them. The way we look at our children, they read our face. We are to delight in them, right? To find joy and pleasure in their wonder um, and be present with them in their sorrow. It's both, but they read from us, interpret off of our faith. We are a sign for them of of how to view themselves as well as what's happening around them. Yeah, so to see them as the gift they are and what they bring you every day is a gift. 
the way they see the world, the way they they express themselves, it's it, it may not make sense. It may not be the answer you were looking for from the lesson that you're teaching, but explore it and find out. Because oftentimes my, my sons would say something odd that wasn't what I thought the answer was to whatever the question was that I was asking. But when I would ask them, can you explain that to me? Then I would see this whole world I couldn't see before. And it made sense how they answered me. But if I just took, you know, the answer on the line kind of a thing, but even though it was verbal, um, I could have not seen them and seen their full intent behind what they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Andrea, what what is I'm curious in your in your role as a trainer of teachers? So let's think specifically as training homeschool moms in whatever capacity you encounter them. Um, what are some truths that you want these homeschool moms to know? So that they can they can take this home this this high view of man. That's an excellent question, Renee. Or, or let me phrase it this way: Are there resources that that you think homeschool moms need to avail themselves of so we can learn more about what that means to see this in our kids? Um, all right. So it'll, it'll sound rambly. I'm a verbal processor. We'll see what comes out. How's that? <laughs> I think it's beginning with repentance. That's one of the things that I learned in the apprenticeship um, is to start from there. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, and so to acknowledge before the Lord my own sinfulness first and foremost and ask for him to then give me the eyes to see my children, the strength to walk next to my children. Um, And the compassion to love them right where they are. Um, I, I, yeah, each of our children are unique and different. And yet they come into one family. So at the same time, both of my sons, I only have two children, but they're they're both Lipinskis and they're unique. Right. So there's a part of them that's just that's that's to be a Lipinski, these are these are the things that are going to be a part of being a Lipinski. But then I need to see who God made them to be as well. And and have an open hand in that. Um, is that beginning to answer your question? To start from repentance in in our time with our kids, to receive the children God gave us. And in that, it's being honest with who they are and who I am. Mm -hmm. And so if I have a limitation, if I have an area I I don't have knowledge in, a skill I don't have, so I can't pass it on, but my kids need it, arithmetic or writing or whatever that be, to get them the help they need. Mm -hmm. To not bury my head in the sand and... and act, tell myself, it's going to be okay. It'll be fine. I was told if I just read to them, all will be fine. And that is true. And I can seek help on this journey as I homeschool. I mean, I don't have to do this completely alone all by myself. That's good. Um, That's good advice. And it starts with humility, right? We can't, we can't be proud when we're repenting. Mm-hmm. And and when we are that that repenter who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, so we can, so that we can see our children rightly. Mm-hmm. That's that's a beautiful place to start. Mm-hmm. 
when my kids were very little, uh, I needed to start my day in the word. But you know, if they woke up, I had to attend to them right away. They were too little to just say, wait. But they got to an age where I could say, you're going to need to wait. Mom's, mom needs to be quiet over here by herself for a little bit longer. And here's one or two things you can pick to engage with until I can give you my attention. And somewhere along the way, um, my oldest, we just talked about this in the last two weeks. My oldest remembers coming to me and saying, well, but mom, I don't hear God like you hear God. Mm. And I said, well, sweetie, no, you're not going to hear him right now. You're to listen to mom and dad's voices in preparation for God's voice. And so he brought that up to me to say, mom, I, I need God's voice now. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's time. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and for me about, you know, with, with, the kids when they get to the age you're talking about, I think being recon- being able to recognize them as their own humans with souls that mm-hmm. I don't have access to, yeah, and to not assume that I do, mm-hmm. and to not be fearful because I don't. Like you can wrap yourself up in knots about that, and just to let that go. Say they are God's children. And if they want to tell me what's going on in their soul, I'll listen, but mm-hmm. it's not required. I don't have to know, even though I want to know, you know, that, that, that letting them be um, grown and their own person. And I just, I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have with all of them. Um, but it's not, it cannot be a smothering mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So letting go. And like Karen, when you let them go in that way, you you hold them loosely, right? Yeah. They know they're free to come back. Yeah, and, and I think that's beautiful too. It's hard. It's hard not having <laughs> that. How you said that access when yeah. we would like to know everything and we can't. But um, but Andrea, what you just experienced when your son came to you and said, "I want to hear God's voice." That is the fruit of those years that you poured into him. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful illustration that our children are not widgets in a factory. Our homeschools are not factories. We are not cranking out products mm-hmm. where you put, you know, two tablespoons of this in and three cups of this and out will come this predictive. <laughs> it's not predictable. <laughs> there, it, It's more akin to a garden or artwork that, you know, we're just getting out of the way while God ships away that marble and um, or it's a garden, right? We don't know what's going to, we don't know what's happening under that soil, but God does. No. And that's one of my favorite stories for um, homeschool moms that captures that is for frog and toad, the garden. Hmm. Oh, don't they right. want to dig up? Don't they want to dig up their plants to see what's going on? <laughs> yes. And then he goes out and he sings to them and they're still not growing. And then he puts lights on them all night long. Cause they didn't get enough sunlight. So then he puts lights on them during the night and they still don't grow. And it's not until he rests and says, I've done everything I can do. They're not growing. I'm done. They're yours. The plants grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a really pretty poem. It's short. I'm going to read it because it is so incredibly short. A poem Mm. by Lucy Shaw. 
Oh, and I love Lucy Shaw. I know she, she's turning into a favorite. Um, it's called Forecast. Here we go. Which book is it in? Is it in one of your books? I do not know. It is. Oh, I'm okay. sure it's in one of her books, but I just found it yeah. online. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Forecast. Planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So much in that. Mm-hmm. There will be rain, y'all. We know yeah. that. We're all old enough. We've been there. We know there's going to be rain. But that same rain that causes thunderstorms also helps plants to grow. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that I don't remember where, when I started praying for my kids, recognizing. So I was not raised in a Christian home. Um, and so I, I knew that they were being raised in a Christian home. But when were they going to make their faith their own? Something has to happen that it's theirs. And it's not just because mom and dad said it anymore, right? And so somewhere along the way, I prayed for that for them. And, and I, I knew that along the way, they would have to go through their own suffering, uh, yeah. So, um, looking at the suffering, knowing it's going to come and asking the Lord to give them the strength and the grace to walk through it and see him all the way. So that's what I think of when I hear your poem that our kids are going to need to embrace and experience the rain to know better who they are and who they serve. Yeah. Well, we've been going for about half an hour, just over. And so um, I'm going to close us out here. I just, Andrea, if um, if anybody wants to know more about uh, the apprenticeship or maybe more about some ideas about what we've talked about, where's a good place for them to contact you? I have an email address that makes it pretty easy. And it's yep. my first name, Andrea, at circeinstitute.org. Okay, Andrea at SucyInstitute.org. And um, they could also post anything related to today's episode on our Facebook Dwell group. Um, and you can also find us on our Circe website. So thank and you. Yes. They can also find us at our conferences. So that's one of the things that I like to tell yeah. people when I teach an intensive and I don't get to meet you very well, like, you know, if, or a webinar, um, that if... Uh, we happen to be at a conference together, please come up to me and introduce yourself. I would love to meet you in person um, yeah. and continue the conversation that way. Yeah, it's so great to meet face to face, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and to hear, oh, I heard you say something, you know, on yeah. a podcast or whatever, and then get to talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Andrea, for being with us today. Great to see you and to hear you and you too, Renee. And we'll see you all next time. Here's to home. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.